JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what a chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, looking back to last night, uh, once again at home, you got exactly what is necessary for them to get. They got exactly what was necessary from others around them. And again, it cannot help you if an IU fan, if that's what you are. To wonder if they could get that help, if that help can come consistently. What we might be able to see coming up later on this season. What we might be able to see at the end of this month, going into March. And granted, I know a lot of IU fans, you know, upset about the way the Rutgers played. Plays, not played, but plays. Um, Upset about Mokehi with... You know, the video of it looking like he was trying to trip Trace Jackson Davis. You know, be mad about it. Let me flip the script on you just a little bit. If you're an IU fan and you're mad. Or if you're saying, well, you know, okay, he he deleted his Twitter account because he was getting all types of crap, whatever. Think about it this way. If you are absolutely a true IU fan and you want what is best for this team right now, You celebrate the fact that Rutgers plays that way. You celebrate the fact that IU responded in the fashion in which they did. Past seasons of IU teams would have done what in those moments when things got tight? They would have faded. They would have wilted. They would have faded away. Last night, you didn't get that. And it has nothing to do with being at Assembly Hall. To me, it has everything to do with that is the style of play of Rutgers. 
you know, no matter really what the personnel is, you just know Mulcahy's been there for a thousand years. Caleb McConnell is a kid that comes straight at you. And he was even a little discombobulated at the end last night. A couple of different times he had opportunities to try to go to the rim. And he settled for mid-range jump shots that didn't come anywhere near. That is a team that, that tries to muscle you a little bit. I'm not going to suggest they're a, a cheap shot artist team. But they're a team that tries to muscle you a little bit. That is another hurdle that this IU team on the road to ultimate believability, they needed to overcome that. We had seen in the past exactly what these matchups in more than recent history looks like with IU in mind against Rutgers. We saw what happened earlier in the season where they couldn't do anything at the rack in New Jersey. But, man, last night last night was a good test, and last night was, I think, an equally good gauge. And while everybody is making light of, you know, how, how rough, quote-unquote, you guys want to say dirty, Rutgers plays and the style that you loathe in which Rutgers plays, that was a style that this IU team had to, needed to overcome, and they did. To me, that is something for you. I'm not going to say to celebrate it for the rest of the year, but for the moment, I would view that greater than I would being angry about how Steve Peichel's team plays. Now they do that. They do that to get by. And oftentimes, they will outmuscle you. It is kind of a form, especially the way that we look at basketball today. I mean, back in the 1990s of the NBA, you, know, you could wrestle. You could do all this different stuff you can't do today. So certainly times have changed, but you know that is kind of a throwback, stay physical with you type of team. And I was most impressed last night about the fact that IU was able to get over on that. Because I think we all had more than just a couple of questions as to if they would be able to. Now, still a lot more questions. Don't get me wrong. I mean, getting the support for Trace Jackson Davis on the road, that is consistent. Like it has been at home, that is the most significant hurdle. That is what absolutely has to happen. But I'm just talking about in terms of a matchup with a team, Regardless of the personnel that has gotten over on you and oftentimes in the past just been tougher, certainly if not tougher, more physical than you. That's what that team overcame last night. That's what that team overcame in a game that you might look back on that Tuesday night to me as being very important. 66-60 was the final last night. IU over Rutgers. Trace Jackson Davis goes for 20 points and 18 rebounds in that game. He has been absolutely spectacular, as you well know. It is interesting. You can make it right now. Now, we'll talk to Rafael Davis coming up, I believe, in the 5 o'clock hour. Zach Eady is at the top of the list in the Big Ten and in the country as far as player of the year honor is concerned. But you might have the same thing nationally as you have in the Big Ten. Because Trace is right there too.
And regarding Trace, and it's funny, I kind of compare both he and Miles because I think oftentimes he and Miles have taken similar levels of criticism around here, been bombarded with criticism like that. And I've always had faith in both, as you well know, to be able to evolve into the player that a lot of folks hope they could be. And I guess it just so happens that the season in which they are proving that to absolutely everybody, I mean, anybody out there that was ever a naysayer, anybody out there that was ever critical, and they're still going to get that criticism, don't get me wrong. People will still criticize Trace. People will still criticize Miles. But just in terms of me and what I have seen and what I believe them to be, and that transition being more than just me talking about it, be more than just me having expectations actually being what we see on the floor. Both are having those types of seasons. And again, I'm not suggesting Miles is a player of the year candidate or anything like that, but we have seen his game. We have seen his game evolve to where it is this year. To a place where everybody wanted, and probably more than what everybody expected. You have seen him be incredibly different with Tyrese Halliburton. You know, to the point, as I made this before he signed that extension, and certainly we'll talk about this before tomorrow's NBA trade deadline, to where you kind of wonder, you kind of wonder if there is a better fit than here in Indiana for Miles, and as I've said all along, there is not. And I guess what I should say is a better logical fit. There is no better logical fit in the NBA for Miles right now in his game than right here. And everything can build together. And in Bloomington, you see, there is no better fit than what you have with Trace Jackson Davis. The only thing that you need is somebody consistently to be along for the ride. Somebody consistently on the road to be there. That's the next step. Last night you watched a team. You watched a team that sometimes might get pushed around a little bit. You watched a team that in the past may have wilted to that pushing, that shoving, that physical nature of the game that Rutgers likes to play. Last night you did not see that. It's a good thing. Really good thing. Next up for IU on the road in Michigan. That is on Saturday at 6 o'clock. Boilermakers, by the way, and uh, right now the front runner for both Big Ten Player of the Year and National Player of the Year, Zach Eady. They're at home against Iowa. That is coming up tomorrow evening. But I thought IU proved something to everybody. Just beyond being upset about how's Rutgers, I, I saw all that all over social media. Oh, I hate this. I'm glad that's over. I hate how this team plays. I hate watching this team play. It's wrestling and football on the hardwood. No, 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 no. If you're an IU fan, be glad you now have an example of last night. IU teams in the past, you know, late in the first half when you had a 12-point lead that got whittled down to three at the half, could have been a little wilting going on. When Rutgers jumped back into it in the second half, could have been a little wilting going on, but they didn't. 
made plays. Both Trace and other guys made plays. Yeah, the Butler game last night. I'm just glad to see Butler get a win. They needed that because St. John's had been playing terribly. And for St. John's to come in and get that win, as it looked to be the case, up five late in that game. Late in the second half at Hinkle Fieldhouse last night. Uh, interesting call and a check on the timer. And then ultimately, Mike Anderson goes back to Queens upset as the head coach of St. John's. And... Thad Mata and Butler get back on the winning track in what has just been a monumentally discouraging season and year number one being back with that Butler program for Thad Mata and company. Just has. I don't know where they're going to go from this. Maybe it was because it was St. John's and St. John's is, what do they say now, been in the blender for a while? (laughs) Whatever. Doesn't matter. At some point, you just needed Butler to stop that surge. And last night, at the very least, they indeed stopped that surge. So a little College Hoops conversation. Rafael Davis, the former Boilermaker, Big Ten Network guy, is going to join us, as I mentioned, coming up here at around 5.30. Pacers on the road in Miami coming up later on tonight. The trade deadline is looming. That is coming up tomorrow Uh, LeBron James if you stayed up late for that Lakers Oklahoma City game last night I know a lot of you probably went to bed thinking I don't know if he's going to get 36 or I should say more than 36 and in fact he did and he got the NBA's all-time leading scoring record and then immediately there's not so much This is what this guy has accomplished. And believe me, with LeBron James, I'm not going to go deeply into it because all you have to do is turn on national radio someplace and they'll be doing that. And I just don't think that's what you want around here. I'm sure at some point further down the road, I don't know, maybe in late June, maybe in early July, sometimes and there's not a lot of stuff going on, we can again have that debate about who's the greatest of all time. Is it Jordan? Is it LeBron or whatever? I don't want to make that for today because there are other other things going on I'm sure you care about more. As much as as much as people around here weren't fans because so often we saw and especially with those teams that have been good in the past. Whether it was Oladipo and a goaltend or Paul George and those teams in an Eastern Conference Finals. There seemingly has always been something when the Pacer teams around here have been good. And the expectations have been high. In the past, you had to deal with LeBron James. Whether you were talking about the second time around in Cleveland or the first time after he left Cleveland from Miami. And we got a chance to talk. What was her name? The blonde well, syphilis? What was her name? Phyllis, I think. Remember Phyllis? Phyllis was the one giving the double bird middle finger, if you remember, to Yokim uh, Noah. When he played for the Bulls back in the day. You know, the Dracar the, the brothers that came to games here. We had all that stuff working. I mean, it was really fun. The chatter was fun. The rivalry chatter back then was fun, but it never, ever worked out. And now you can reflect on that a little bit. And one of the, the big reasons why it didn't work out is because of the greatness in which you saw, you saw in a game last night a record by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that was set that if you were an NBA fan, a basketball fan of the day, you never thought would be eclipsed. 
And that's exactly what LeBron James has done. So the debates between he and Jordan, for example, I'll leave that to Skip and Shannon and I don't know, whatever on Get Up and whatever they're doing and no screaming and yelling at one another debate shows. Here's what's going to happen. For the younger generation, it's going to be the absolute now. It's going to be what have you done for me lately, Janet Jackson. It's going to be that. For us, people like me that we were being molded as basketball fans as a part of that Jordan era, whether you want to talk about, go all the way back to 1982 when he hit that shot of the national championship game for North Carolina and New Orleans. At that point in time, it slowly started to, maybe just regionally still then in North Carolina, but that was kind of the jumping point. And we all evolved as basketball fans. And to a degree, I mean, Jordan did the same thing to the Pacers, some of those good Pacer teams, as what LeBron did to some of those good Pacer teams. You know, I was just kind of stuck. That debate can be had later on. But as far as being able to be under the spotlight of incredible glory for an accomplishment last night, that is a big deal. Then that let me tell you what, too. That dude, that dude looks like he could if he wanted to to play eight more years. I guess if you want to say something about his hairline, notwithstanding, but that guy looks strong. Still got some quickness. He can go out and get his in a league full of incredible athletes still whenever he wants to most of the time. It's amazing. That may be what stands out to me. I mean, the longevity of coming out of high school is one thing, but taking care of yourself. Can you imagine how big a mess is? I mean, I'm a big mess right now. Can you imagine the big mess we would be if we accomplished something on that level? Oh, wait a minute. What diet? Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'll go ahead and eat that. Yeah, I'm going to drink that. Yeah, I won't sleep for a week. Can you imagine the big mess we would be? That probably stands out to me more than anything else. In a similarity, it's also with Tom Brady. You get in a routine and you stay in that routine. You abide by that routine. The routine has dictated your lifestyle. And that routine is wanting to be either the best or certainly right now among the best that are playing. And do that into your late 30s. In the NBA in your late 30s, don't your knees hurt just kind of thinking about it right now? Don't you get arthritis on your knee just thinking about LeBron James at 38 still doing all that? Yeah, last night, last night was pretty cool. Last night was pretty cool to see, even if you did not either grow up or certainly living around here, when you probably in the past have on a much greater level loathed LeBron James over loving LeBron James. Yeah, last night, benchmark moments with a record nobody thought was ever going to be broken by, set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it was. Yeah, there's something about that for sure. Those debates regarding he and Jordan... Yeah, yeah, remind me of this in like July or something. We'll double back to that at some point. Yeah, I mentioned the Pacers down in Miami coming up later on tonight. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. 
Kevin Bowen's going to be here from the morning show. That is coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. As I mentioned, Ray Fell Davis, former Boilermaker, Big Ten Network analyst. We'll talk about both IU and Purdue, the rest of the Big Ten. I'm going to tell you what, last night, you just wanted to kind of keep pace, did you not? If you're IU within the Big Ten, you want to keep pace? Entering the game last night, you had a 7-5 and five log jam. And, you know, IU got that opportunity. Rutgers at home. Rutgers was, what, a game ahead, 8-4? and four? So, IU moves into a second-place tie. 8-5, and 8-5. Five, and, five. and then again, that log jam that got a little smaller, but still with Iowa, Michigan, Northwestern, and Illinois. All at seven and five. Yeah, I don't know what's a Michigan State seven and six. We'll talk about that and more coming up in the five o'clock hour with uh, Rafael Davis. All right, a lot of you had, and I was actually today at lunch. I was hanging out with Mark Dito. Mark Dito came in to hang out a little bit. Of course, I talk about how he's the best in realty around here all the time, right? So I was down with uh, some of the guys on WIBC and me down on four. Mark Dito was here and we were talking and stuff and my phone kept buzzing in my pocket. And, and sometimes that can be incredibly exciting. But when you're in, you know, the company of others, maybe not so much. So the phone's buzzing in my pocket and I'm going, all right, so what's going on here? And it wasn't a text. There was no emergencies or something. And I didn't even know that I had my notifications turned on as far as social media was concerned. And apparently I did. And the reason why was Ian Rappaport of NFL Network was on Radio Row with our friend Pat McAfee of the Pat McAfee Show, which, you know, obviously in the middays, it's just blowing up everywhere. Like everybody watches it. So Ian Rappaport was on the Pat McAfee Show. And Pat McAfee evidently brought up the whole Jeff Saturday thing. And I'll I'll lay all this out for you because while you sit here and you basically have to wear, if something you say does not come out in translation or gets lost in translation to the listener, I say this all the time regarding social media, it doesn't matter. You still have to wear it, right? So I thought I did a pretty good job on Monday in asking, and we'll rehash that in a moment, in asking Zach Kiefer, the athletic, a question. And it was really more about the fact that the Colts have been so tight-lipped about this coaching search compared to what I described as FUBAR after the whole Josh McDaniels thing, where leaks and information, it was going everywhere, and everything was being said, and this and that. This had been incredibly tight-lipped, and I thought that I specified good enough that that there's one rumor that was floating around out there, and I actually asked Zach about it. Well, apparently that got to Pat, and... This is what Pat talked about from the Pat McAfee show earlier today. Again, the Pat McAfee show that you can catch on on YouTube. I'm sure a lot of you do. Uh, brought up what I was talking about with Zach Kiefer on Monday. We're waiting on the Cardinals. We're waiting on the Colts, obviously. 
the Colts have so many finalists and they are in the process of whittling that down but what I don't think they have done is eliminate anyone because usually that's how you kind of learn like where yeah, it's going because guys get eliminated this team. we have not done that yet and Ursay said matter of days. JMV said JMV local radio host he's been on for 20 years in Indy on the station that has a deal with the Colts I believe he's hosted a, a show with somebody like general manager or coach from the Colts so, so someone real in okay. the past has been in Indiana a long time mm-hmm. he said that Jeff Saturday has been eliminated from the head coaching search uh, I do not believe that is the case. JMV's lying. Wow. You don't know John Michael. That's the case. I love JMV. Too it, last name? it looks like Rascal Flats guy. There you go. <laughs> That's it. So my phone is buzzing because of that. Now again, I know this to be true. If I bring up something on this show or bring up something in social media, and it gets lost in translation, more times than not, you're going to have to still own it. And as I, I specified back when Zach Kiefer was on on Monday, it was a rumor that I had heard. But again, I said it on here, so you're, you're going to end up having to wear it. Now, in case you missed it on Monday, this is what I said to Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. I was told a couple of weeks ago, and I, I may have mentioned this to you, and I've kind of mentioned it in passing because it is nothing but a rumor, but I was told that, that Jeff understood two weeks ago that he was not going to be the guy and was resigned with that fact and also the fact that he really didn't want to move forward as the coach anyway with Chris Ballard remaining the general manager. You think there's any truth to that rumor? So I've heard a little bit of the first part. I've heard a little bit of they've moved on from him as a candidate. Now, that's not hard, solid, rock-hard information that I can report, but that's the sense that I got from a couple people that are familiar with the search. I did not hear the part about he didn't want to move forward with Chris Ballard. Well, I don't well he wasn't going to get the option, but he did not. That, yeah, he didn't think right. that was going to be in his best right. interest. Yeah. All right, that's, that's how that went down on Monday. Just for the sake of being 100% full disclosure right here. I, I, listen, I don't mind it. I don't mind it because that's just what you do. When you do this and you talk, you know, some people are going to frame it up. You know, listeners are going to frame it up on social media. They're going to frame it up differently. So that's just something, you know, not quite 20, I think, right? 18 years, close to 20 that I've been doing this, that that's just something you have to deal with and, and it's a part of this job. But that's that's exactly the context in which I used – that rumored information on Monday with Zach Kiefer. And uh, again, Pat McAfee's show. Shout out to Pat. I like Pat a great deal, and he knows that. And he also knows I buried threes in his grill before. He knows that from NBA distance. But we'll see. We shall see. And really, when I look back on it, it was more about how everything had had been quiet. Like most rumors, most any rumors whatsoever had been completely silenced. But that's what I said. For those of you that asked, for those of you who might be new to the program right now and are hearing that for the first time, that is the context in which I asked that key for that question on Monday. But the pocket, the pocket was buzzing. <laughs> And I do dig the Rascal Flats thing. That makes me laugh a great deal. 
So shout out to Pat for the mention too, regardless of where this goes. I will say this. If I guess in this case now, if, if Jeff does get the job, I'll have to wear that for a long time now, regardless, right? So I'm going to have to wear that. Now, I think on the other hand, if he does get the job, it'll be less about me having to wear it than it will you about most of you being incredibly angry about it. But I will definitely have to wear that if Jeff ends up getting that gig. But I just wanted to have that for you in full context because a lot of you had asked me over the course of the afternoon and instead of explaining it, I also wanted to explain it in a way where it didn't look like I'm running from my words or being a wuss about it. Nah, I mean, that's, that's the way that I said it on Monday. I just didn't want anything to be lost in translation. And I do certainly appreciate the mention uh, from Pat and the Rascal Flats mentioned as well. I do appreciate that. But that's exactly what took place on Monday. That's what took place with Pat earlier today. And uh, there's where we are right now. All right, 239-1070. Email address at jmvia1075thefan.com. You can find us there inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Maybe we got some new folks in there. Hope so. You guys can join us. I'll appreciate that. And uh, you also got us in HD radio coming up bottom of the hour. JJ's in Miami Pacers in the heat coming up at seven o'clock tonight. I mentioned Rayfeld Davis is coming up at the five o'clock hour. Joshua says this. I disagree with what rap sheet is saying though. I don't think uh, Ivero takes the DC job if he was still in the running. So that must be letting some of them know. Yeah, well, that the, that was the rumor, and that's why I asked Zach. I think I even asked Stephen Holder that yesterday. And the reason why I brought it up is because that was the only thing that rumor or otherwise I'd heard. But I will say this. I got a lot of calls. I got a lot of calls after Pat said that. At noon, I got a lot of calls about it. But I wanted to make sure that you guys were fully, as you had asked me earlier, in the know regarding that. All right. At JMV1070 on Twitter if you want to go there. The stream, the app, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Hey, Judge, double enough and he makes it. 80,000. What's that, Judge? You're on, you're on. Well, we're waiting. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Pacers heat letter on tonight. Colts head coaching search week of the Super Bowl. IU Rutgers last night. That's outstanding right there. Skivvy says, JMV said. <laughs> yeah, love it. I do like it a great deal. It's pretty funny. But it wasn't even so much everybody in social media that was sending me stuff. It was like people around here go, what? What'd you say? 
I'll roll that out for you coming up a little bit later on. Hey, Janvi, I turned in, or I should say tuned in, just in time for the Rascal Flats Gary LaVox conversation. That's awesome. Any place I can lead you, I lead you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from Bally Sports, Indiana. Pacers on the road in Miami tonight. Jeremiah Johnson joins us. What's the temperature this afternoon down in Miami? Do I want to know? Uh, high 70s. A little windy, but it's a nice breeze, so... No complaints in South Florida per normal. Yeah, last time the Pacers were down there, no complaints either. Think this is a place where they can dig out of this road losing skid that they're currently riding? It was crazy in thinking about this game and preparing that you realize the Pacers have not won on the road since they were down here, and the building's changed names since then. That was December 23rd. Obviously, a lot of factors go into that for the I think it's nine straight road losses. But I do think that the situation and the scenario is set up for them to play well. The Heat are a little bit shorthanded. No Kyle Lowry, no Victor Oladipo. They've got some other maybe minor injuries. And the Pacers are fully healthy. They're rested. Both teams actually are rested. I think the Heat have not played since Saturday. The Pacers last played on Sunday. But in terms of sense of urgency, it has to be there for the Pacers, not just in this game, but over the next five because you were sitting there at sixth in the Eastern Conference. Tyrese Halliburton got injured, and now you're in a three-way tie for 10th, and Miami's the team that is currently in sixth. So there still is time to make that ground up, but uh, the more time that ticks away, you put a week off of the calendar, there's that much uh, less opportunity. So I think they'll be ready to play, and we'll see what they have tonight. So I'm not going to be – deprived of the uh, Kyle Lowry head bob every time anybody comes near him and try to draw the foul, I guess. He's not playing tonight. That's sad. I know. It's unfortunate. I, it's one of my pet peeves as well. He's not the only one that does it, but it seems like he's been doing it the longest. Jimmy Butler will still give you – still, he'll still draw a foul. So I'm sure in this game, if you're really interested in, in looking for that trick, that veteran trick to yeah. draw a foul – You'll see it from Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that drives me nuts too. By the way, and this is Lowry injured, or because you hear a lot of rumors about how he wants out and they want to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, it'd be hard for me to say that for sure. I'm, I think he's injured. In fact, I'll just look at the latest injury report for you right now. It looks like the injury is left knee soreness for Kyle Lowry, and they did say, I think over the weekend that he'd miss the next two to three games. And so, uh, who knows? It's been pretty pretty quiet at the trade deadline outside of the Kyrie Irving trade earlier in the week. And so, we'll see what happens just 24 hours from now. We will know everything. So, yeah, it's funny. Uh, we'll see if Kyle Lowry is on the move. The LeBron James game of last night becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer, he squashed basically all the leftovers of Kyrie Irving and – I think kind of going into the trade deadline coming up tomorrow as well. Did it not? And it took all the attention away from the Super Bowl as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's the big story of the week. And I think when you consider that accomplishment and, and the longevity, and really that is one of the marks that has stood the test of time with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I think it deserves the attention. But now with about 24 hours until the trade deadline, I think some of the rumors and some of the activity – We'll probably start to pick up, who knows, from a Pacers perspective, where things will go. But I expect you'll start to see some some Woj and some Shams tweets coming out at some point around the NBA in the next few hours into tomorrow. 
That's it's interesting. I don't know if anything pacer wise. I know this is tough for you to even talk about, but anything pacer wise happens. I had said this though, and I know you can speak to this, is that people often are described this time of year as buyers or sellers, and in this case, the pacers are builders. So to me, if it's something that makes sense that you feel both economically and as far as personnel might be concerned, that that is a nice fit. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean you're going straight at the postseason and playing for the now. You're still playing for the future. So I think you're allowed to be, in the case of the Pacers at the trade deadline, a builder. That's a pretty good explanation. I'll have to borrow that if I'm asked from anyone else because it is. Now use that tonight. Use that tonight on the broadcast. Would you a builder? Yeah. They're not buyers or sellers. Sellers. They are builders, and so they are building for the future. And I even said on my podcast. Well, today that I think it's that 24-25 season that you may have circled. You think you've already made some improvements this season. You'll make another step forward next season, and and you want to have the best roster you can have for maybe that that 24-25 season. And if there is a deal to be made in the next 24 hours that can help you put that best team together for that season, then you do it. But I think that Kevin Pritchard uh, was pretty – you know, he's pretty on the record in terms of saying after Miles Turner signed his contract extension that he isn't sure what's going to happen. He'll listen to all offers. And if if maybe if there's something that can help continue to build this team in the right direction, he will listen. But I think Rick Carlisle also said something that was pretty accurate, that if Miles Turner had not signed, things would be a lot different heading into this trade deadline. So once they got Miles locked up and a deal signed, it does – change a little bit from their perspective of what they have to do there isn't really that sense of urgency now and and Kevin Pritchard has said that he likes to maybe make more deals in the summer than than during a season and so that's that's all we have to go by and we'll have to wait and see if anything else happens he's Jeremiah Johnson Valley Sports Indiana heat pacers coming up later on tonight and it's it's kind of interesting that's a, a phrase that I gave you that I I, I kind of like or a description of this time of year uh, one phrase that I have really now started to really loathe whenever I hear it is the entertaining loss I hate the entertaining loss and is why like there was nothing really redeeming I thought in that loss to Cleveland the other day however when you go back you know the game before Sacramento was the Laker game and people say you know it was really entertaining but it was a loss and that's okay I think that there is a great deal JJ of value with this group of closing games when you're there to close it and I think that it takes away when you don't and while I understand everybody's thought of where they want to be in the draft we can think about that in June but when you're in the moment in the fourth and you have an opportunity to close a game, whether it's at home or on the road, I want to see this group do it, and I'm going to be disappointed, J.J., if they don't. Yeah, I, I think I follow along the same lines of thinking that you do because this wasn't a season that I was uh, I was wanting them to experience some success, and I think there's nothing that helps in, in building a team better than to achieve success on the court and build that way and I think they had some real momentum in terms of closing games out before Tyrese Halliburton was injured and it would be tough to just expect the first game or two back in three and four nights when he returned after being out for three weeks for them to immediately be excellent at closing games out they struggled late against the Lakers maybe struggled a little bit offensively against the Kings but they played really good defense down the stretch to win that game and so what you hope is that 
you have those three games, and then over this next five-game stretch before the All-Star break, you can get back to that team that, that won 8 of 10 and won a game in Boston and won in Miami and played really well in the fourth quarters of those games. So I agree with you. I'm glad that I've not said entertaining loss on any post-game shows yeah, this season. I'll so be pissed if you do. It don't do it. me who has said it. I, I have said a lot of times doing the halftime show – that it whether it's an entertaining first half and sometimes the Pacers when they've struggled early they've played well late and when they've gotten off to good starts maybe they haven't been able to close things out so the biggest thing to me outside of closing games that are close in the fourth quarter is is just being able to play start to finish you're always going to have some lapses in a game but there are some quarters that tend to be problematic and that's what you have to eliminate yeah there's no doubt about that JJ is with us can you detect at all any frustration and there are a couple of guys in this case, and I don't see it from Isaiah Jackson. I really haven't noticed too much in Jalen Smith, but especially in terms of Jalen Smith falling out of the rotation, have you noticed any frustration from him, a guy that was playing and playing well when this team was playing well, and once they go small, he's kind of fallen you know, out of the rotation in this case. Is, is he still going at it business as usual from what you've seen? Yeah, and some of the practices I've seen, he's been going as hard as anyone, and he has probably stayed as late as anyone working on his game. So he is, if you get a chance to talk with him, and we've been able to do that a little bit more this season than last season, he's one of the nicest guys. You think back to that game against Orlando when he got really right. fired up, but he, he is a really just, in general, nice guy. And he has said to us in the last couple of weeks that he understands he's still a young player in this league and he is still figuring things out. And so – uh, you know, from what I've observed, I've not seen any outward frustrations. He and Isaiah Jackson both have been pretty supportive of their teammates. I'm sure that they wish they were playing, and it's tough to not play and then go in and maybe have a two- or three-minute stretch, and then you put so much pressure on yourself to perform. Now, I'm not going to say that they're every single player that's on that bench and occasionally getting a DNP, they're, they're not all going to be happy with it. But those two players specifically that you mentioned, I think they've handled it, handled it pretty well, and I think they do have – the big picture in mind second year for Isaiah Jackson third year for Jalen Smith and there's just a glut of centers on the roster right now so we'll see if that um, works itself out over the next couple of days as well JJ with us what do you think about before we let you go here tonight's matchup once again we talked about last time these two teams were at it and there's no doubt this would be a great moment for the Pacers to get back on the winning track on the road for the first time before Christmas it would, and you know, there's a little bit of a similarity to this matchup and the one the Pacers had on Sunday with Cleveland because neither the Cavs nor the Heat want to get out and play a fast-paced game. The Pacers, against teams like that, really want to get as many fast-break opportunities as they can, uh, execute early in the shot clock, and, and not get in a half-court game. And in the three games against the Heat this season, the Pacers have two wins, and I think in those two wins – you had the 43 for Halliburton and 22 for Tyrese Halliburton. In the loss, he scored one point and was 0 for 9. And so I'm not going to put all the pressure on Tyrese Halliburton, but I think if it's anywhere between 22 and 43, the Pacers will be in good, uh, a good position. He doesn't have to score for this team to succeed, but you, you can't have a single-digit night because once he's knocking down shots, it does open up everything else for his teammates. So if you can get a 20 or 20-10 and 10 night from Halliburton and Miles Turner continues to play consistently, I think 
in position because Miami's good, but they're not unbeatable at home as the Pacers showed in late December. That's a 7.30 tip time, 7 o'clock tonight, Ballet Sports, Indiana. And you'll see him, and he'll maybe use what I talked about being a builder, not necessarily a buyer or a seller. That'll make me really happy if you use that tonight. Really happy. <laughs> Not a buyer, not a seller. They're a builder. Builder. There we go. I'm going to practice right over the next few hours. 7P tonight for that pregame show. JJ, thank you. All right. Thanks, John. Jeremiah Johnson on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Nothing but me and you coming up in the four. A little bit loaded to five with Kevin Bowen and Rafael Davis, but me and you coming up on the other side and into the four o'clock hour as well. The latest with the Colts and the coaching search. Not a lot to go on there especially with what I discussed a little bit earlier. But I do have an interesting question here, and I'll answer this coming up on the other side. Nick Moore, who's a good friend of the show, wants to ask me regarding the Jeff Saturday rumor that I told on Monday that got brought up on Pat McAfee's show earlier this afternoon, if I believe it. All right, Nick, I'll answer that for you coming up on the other side. That and your calls at 239-1070 next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. All right. Let's take it from the top. The top of what? Name. My name? No, my name. I do not know your name. You play games with me, mister, and you're through. I am? May I go now? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right. Quick shot for you, too. I just realized this. We have Luke Bryan tickets to give away for the rest of the week. I don't know anything about Luke Bryan, but I know enough to know that you guys love, for the most part, most of you out there at least, love Luke Bryan, would love to go to the show. That is August the 18th at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. And here's what you have to do if it's like that. What is that called? Like shake it for me something? Shake it for me. Yeah. When you hear Luke Bryan reentry. That's going to be your cue to call. Number nine is going to get tickets. We'll do that today. We'll do that tomorrow and on Friday as well. Again, a Luke Bryan. Shout out to Live Nation for that too. My man Kyle, Jimi Hendrix, everybody a part of that operation. Awesome to this. August the 18th at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Luke Bryan, when you hear a Luke Bryan re-entry, and it may come quicker than you might think. Just guessing. Go ahead and put that out there. All right, I mentioned this before the top of the hour break. We'll set up some calls coming up on the other side. Nick Moore, who's a friend of the show, asked this. Do you buy the authenticity of the Saturday rumor that you were told? Here's what I buy. Maybe I should better state it this way. I don't believe he's going to be the next head coach. Now, as far as that rumor is concerned, I am like one 
one of one that I think's heard it because nobody has like said, hey, you know what? I heard the same thing. And Zach Kiefer responded of, well, not going to be the next head coach in his belief from what he's heard. But, yeah, the rumor I heard was that he knows as of right now, which would have been as of early in the week, and that's the rumor that I had talked about. And, again, I'm not suggesting this is me reporting it. I just – I kind of framed this up in the context on Monday with Zach Kiefer as, you know, it's amazing compared to the last time out how there hasn't been any leaked info Hardly any at all rumors, none of it. And then I said, but this is one rumor. And again, it's a rumor, what I heard. And then I explained to him where not only was you know Jeff Saturday not going to be the next head coach, but that he was out of the running, the rumor that I'd heard right now. But do I believe that rumor? I believe the fact that I don't think Jeff Saturday is going to be the next head coach. I think the issue that I have is coinciding with everybody else's issue to really move forward in a belief. Like, I I give Ian Rappaport credit with Pat McAfee. The reason why you're not going to agree, A, you probably have information where maybe you don't, but B, it's because the owner is going to make that final decision. And the owner may be the only one that would like to see that happen. And if the owner wants it to happen, then it'll happen. So do I believe he's not going to be the head coach? Yes, I do believe that. But there is a significant reason, twofold, why nobody said anything. It's because nothing is coming out, nothing is being leaked, and because the owner holds the card of that final decision. And we know what he thought about Jeff going back to the in-season situation. So, yeah, that is my belief. Maybe not the entire – because the rumor's wild. It's like, yeah, Jeff doesn't like Chris Ballard. But that's also stuff that that you could probably understand if, you know, Ballard didn't want him and it was forced on. Who knows? Who knows? But that was a part of what I had asked Zach Kiefer on Monday. And a shout-out to Pat McAfee and the Pat McAfee Show for rolling that out to Ian Rappaport earlier today. If you missed that, I'll play that for you coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Your phone calls, too, and Luke Bryan tickets coming straight at you. we got Kevin Bowen and Rafael Davis going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. All but you and me coming up in the 4. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. It's party time. P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. What film was that from? That Ace Ventura? That's The Mask. No, The Mask. Did you like Ace Ventura, James? It was okay. It's no, not my I've favorite. never seen it because it looks favorite. like it sucks. 
I, I, I mean, in terms of Jim Carrey things, yeah. I definitely prefer the mask. Yeah, it just kind of looks like it sucks to me. I've never seen The Mask either because that also looks like it sucks. Oh, it's a great one. It's a fantastic movie. Man, The Mask? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great 90s comedy. I've never seen The Princess Bride because that also looks like that sucks. Really? Yes. I like The Princess Bride. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but I like it. All right. I've never seen it. I've never watched it, never thought about watching it. Isn't that weird? And I'm like supposed to be Mr. 80s, and that is one of the films of the 80s. One of the defining films of the 1980s. Not me, brother. Thank you, Joseph Fenton Faust, for that. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> Jamie, I'm surprised Pat McAfee didn't refer to you as my brother since we always get mistaken for brothers. Oh, man, Gordo, we do. Yeah, Michael Bryant says, all righty then. Oh, I just hated it. Ah, the Ace Venture. I just, there's no way I'm sitting through this. None. None whatsoever. Hey, JMV, Jordan is the GOAT. Did you see Anthony Davis sit down and not even watch the record breaker from LeBron? No, but I watched former Hoosier Thomas Bryant had the ultimate interior position. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> he was going to get the ball, but he got it. That was pretty classic. If you stayed up last night, I guess it was worth you staying up for last night, right? Jamby, you got to love the Super Bowl Radio Row Week pub you're getting right here. Well, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> No, it's pretty good. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Heat Pacers coming up later on tonight. That's a 7 o'clock pregame right here. JJ joined us a little bit earlier. We got Bowen and Rafael Davis. IU a winner over Rutgers last night. I know a lot of people were upset about the way that Rutgers played, in particular Paul Mulcahy. I'm sorry. Whenever I hear his name, I consistently think about MASH. And Father Mokey. Paul Mokehi with what was alleged to have been a tripping attempt on Trace Jackson Davis. And apparently his Twitter account going dark last night. I don't know about that. I do know this. That I know that Rutgers plays a style that in the past would have wilted other IU teams. So look at that more than you did the style of play. All right. So you hate the style of play, whatever. Just be happy to see that IU team got over on it. Again, moments in the past against a Rutgers team playing like that, even with different personnel, that would have been a loss. That's what most impressed me last night. Uh, I got time for calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live. If you want to get there, you can participate too, right? Watch, listen, and then write down your thoughts. Say write down like you have a pen. Type in. Text in your thoughts inside the lounge via YouTube Live. And Luke Bryan tickets coming at you for that August show at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. If you love country and you love Luke Bryan, I have never really heard a Luke Bryan song. Am I just describing myself as like a huge nerd right here? No mask, no Ace Ventura, no Princess Bride, and never listen to Luke Bryan. 
But I do know this. I know that listeners to this show love Luke Bryan. I respect that. That's why we give you the opportunity. That's why Live Nation knows this is the best place to promote that show because we have so many different viewpoints, so many different lovers of music here. And much of that is that of Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan fan, James? No? Not really, no. All right. Your chance to win coming up a little bit later on. Steven's up first today at 239-1070. Steven, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I had a uh, – well, first of all, thanks for taking my call. We got a button. Um, I had some thoughts on the Colts situation with the coaching and the team overall, and it's been bothering me for well over a year because I'm a diehard fan. But honestly, I'm not impressed with Ballard at this point and surprised he's still with us. But I think when you look at Frank Reich, his time here, he had, what, five seasons and five different quarterbacks? Um, I don't think he did all that bad, and I think he was probably just more of an escape goat. Uh, he didn't really have the supporting staff that he needed, much like Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan. They never did invest in the receivers like they needed. And so I wondered if uh, you thought maybe the majority of people or fans would feel the same way, that they're just using Wentz, Reich, Ryan, one after another as an escape goat. Now I know Wentz didn't help his case at the end of that season, but overall his season, his numbers weren't bad. And then not only that, but then as far as Jeff Saturday as a coach, Frank Reich, whoever i don't think it would matter who was the coach because again their roster are you okay and you're looking at this in terms of decision making from chris ballard and you're right there's no other way to look at it i mean it's absolutely true six years and, and keep this in mind six years of building toward what he believed to be a great roster and building from the inside out And you saw this blow up right in their face this past season with that offensive line. This stuff, his philosophies have not worked. And he said as much in that press conference. He said at the beginning, I've failed. And he absolutely has. That's why I've suggested moving on in year seven. To me, doesn't seem like a great idea, but Jim Irsay has confidence in him moving forward. But no, you start right there. Player personnel decisions. And you can say all you want about circumstances with quarterbacks in the past, but those main columns, those main foundations that Chris Ballard had put onto that field, especially with that line, they failed. And that's directly on him and a direct cause of what we saw in a four-win, one-tie disappointing season. It seemed like that O-line started falling apart with the sudden retirement, but yet they were never even seeming to be concerned with the receivers, thinking that what they had was sufficient. Obviously, it wasn't. But then I think right now that, to me, it may be my belief or uh, impression is I think the problem with Jeff Saturday is the national outcry about not enough black coaches. And would it have mattered if it was T.Y. Hilton that they had asked to come in? No, nah, here's the thing, Stephen, and, and thank you for the call. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with the owner trusting and wanting Jeff Saturday to work out. Now, we know this to be true. 
Had Jim Irsay decided to, let's go ahead and fast forward this a little bit here. If he would have decided to, in this hiring process right now, whether he fired Frank Reich immediately following that New England game and then brought somebody in like Bubba Ventrone or whomever to coach the team, a lot of those same things were going to go down with this team. A lot of the problems that you saw with this team were on that team. That's why. A lot of it was on that team. But if you were going to go ahead and really try to throw Jeff Saturday out there, and you would step would have been met with opposition, would have been met with criticism. But if you were to do it with a clean slate, Right now, oh my goodness, there's a big surprise. Jeff Saturday is going to be the next head coach of the Colts. We would debate that all offseason long, but at least right now, you're not going to have on your shoulders, well, this is what happened with the remainder of the season. This is what happened. Greatest comeback of all time versus them. Fourth quarter collapse versus them. You know what's funny, too? Had they won, and say, for example, you end up closing out Philly in a game you could have won, or you closed out Dallas in the fourth quarter, or you closed out Minnesota in the second half, then the owner would have a lot more to stand on here. A lot more. But now all everybody does, and this is one of the reasons why I do hate it, because I have a great deal of respect for what Jeff Saturday meant to the greatest era of this team and the fans of this team have ever seen here. As a player, he was right there. We always talk about Manning. You always talk about Mathis and Freeney. You talk about Marvin. You talk about Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark. But Jeff Saturday was right there front and center among them as huge foundational pieces. And I hate the fact that you have a fan base here that felt the need, I don't know, maybe 5,000 of them, maybe less, to put together a petition to make sure the owner sees it as to how much they don't want Jeff Saturday as the next head coach. I hate that part of it. Again, had he started with a clean slate, I think things would still be debated right now. You would still be skeptical. But frankly, you're going to be skeptical anyway. Tell me what you're not skeptical about with this team right now. There's not a lot. You question everything currently. Coming off a season like that, coming off the disappointment of the end of the year prior, And I've said this before, too. You're not even going to know whatever decision they end up making, whether it's Steichen or Callahan or Wink or Jeff Saturday. I know how you're going to feel around here if it's Jeff Saturday, but any of these, let's just say, fresh new candidates, if any of these guys get that gig, you're not going to know how to feel about it. Hence, you're going to be negative about it until you see the product on the field. And I said that a year ago. 
I said it a year ago, coming off that loss at home to the Raiders, coming off that loss on the road to Jacksonville, until on the field that you prove you are no longer that, people are going to remain skeptical. And you know what? Unfortunately for them, they doubled down on that last year. So no matter what you do here is going to be met with criticism and certainly probably some opposition just because you're in a spot right now that you have to dig out of in the court of public opinion. Because not a lot of folks around here believe in you. That that is going to be the biggest job. There's no doubt hiring the next head coach is incredibly important. What you do to get that right fit for your long-term future quarterback is still going to be much more impactful on this team than what we're talking about as the next head coach right here. Nate Thomas writes this, fans question everything about the Colts team except for the retention of Chris Ballard, which is insane. Yeah, it's just the body of work. When you get six and now going into seven years normally there is a great deal of success behind that there's a reason for it a division title or two you know more than a playoff win more than a couple playoff appearances this is hard for many people to understand and i do get it and so do a lot of you That's just kind of where you are right now. So, again, regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens, you're going to be skeptical until you see this product on the field, until you see a change there. And it may take a little bit, too, because presumably you're going to have either a rookie quarterback playing or you've decided on the rookie quarterback you're going to select. And then, I don't know, some veteran, whomever it's going to be is going to end up playing early on. Who knows how that's going to go? Those are all discussions to have at a later period. But there is going to be a lot to cobble together to get a significant positive thought moving forward regarding decisions of this organization. You're going to have to see it to believe it around here. And that's just where you've been conditioned to be right now. You make no question about that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, JMV at 1075thefan.com. JMV, I completely agree with you, Tate, regarding IU and Rutgers last night. I didn't think so much about Rutgers playing a style of basketball which is unappealing, rough, and way too physical. I was thinking more how IU handled that, got through that, and won that game. That's exactly, James, how you need to feel. It's exactly how you should feel. Yeah, not so much whining and crying about how Rutgers plays, their style of play, about what they're allowed to get away with or what the officials didn't do and this foul here and foul there. In the past, an IU team would have melted all over the hardwood. Last night they got over. I don't care if it's at home, wherever. And that is a part of the evolution of this group. What do they say now? I think people often say, check the boxes. Are they checking the boxes? If you want to say that, fine. That's one box that they checked last night. Getting through that. Because that is the Rutgers style. And IU, even when they got out to a double-digit lead, saw that shrivel, 
again, got out to a lead, saw Rutgers hang in. An IU team in the past, how many times did we see that in the past? Would absolutely wilt. Last night they did not. So, yes, James, you're absolutely right. It is more about what they did last night than it was about how Rutgers plays. You should really be glad they play that way, and you watched IU get over on that style last night. That's exactly what you should be happy about. C. Fitch writes this, Hey, Jamba, you're not missing anything with Luke Bryan. Imagine Miami Heat fans with their crappy cologne but wearing bedazzled jeans. That's not a ringing endorsement right there, C. Fitch. Nate says, No Princess Bride, but I bet you watched Hot Dog the Movie with great with the great David Naughton. I believe Hot Dog the Movie had some significant nudity in it too, right? That's different. That may have been the game changer for me back in the day. I'm just talking about, I don't know, 15-year-old me. Of course, it would have been the game changer. Yeah, JMV, it's weird. Regarding this head coaching search right now, I think you're right in terms of it's not going to be Jeff Saturday, but it seems like that Chris Ballard and company are going above and beyond to keep everybody in play to make sure that they're showing the fans they're doing a complete and thorough search on who's going to lead this team further down the road. And you are absolutely right. That's exactly what they're doing. And people have talked about this, that Ballard thought last time out that he went, snap judgment, Josh McDaniels, that thing blew up in his face. And, you know, after that, they were, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And Jim Ursay steps in and says, you know, I don't like this. I feel embarrassed by it. And he goes with those that he confides in. We've talked about this before. And then the most common name that appeared – with Tony Dungy, Peyton Manning, and Bill Polian was that of Frank Reich. I don't know if this is going to work any better than it would have had you hired somebody the day after. That just comes with that level of skepticism that I talked about a little bit earlier. But make no mistake, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Yeah, making sure. And then and Jim Ursay again with that tweet yesterday about days and not hours. That's because he can certainly tell that people are getting worn out. I can even tell by by how you respond and how you react right now. I think everybody's pretty worn out on it. Does it make a lot of sense to you not to have done it by now? Unless it's going to be Shane Steichen. Couldn't you have done it already? Listen, people, that is the one thing about this coaching search that has maybe been to me most interesting is just how tight-lipped everything has been. And normally, these national guys swoop in and clean off the carcass a little bit. Swoop in with the breaking news. And they still may when this thing ultimately goes down. But you have to admit, there has been little to nothing, even from the national folks. Little to nothing. Quick break. We'll come back. More of your calls. Maybe some Luke Bryan tickets. Actually, I have just been informed that we not – Just today, have a pair. We've got two pair.
So two pair Luke Bryan tickets coming up in August, Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. That is coming up a little bit later on. When you hear a Luke Bryan song reentry, that's going to be your cue to be caller number nine, and caller number nine will win those. LeBron James, the NBA's all-time leading scorer. I never would have thought. I know that you're tired on this, too. The NBA dunk contest. I don't know when exactly it completely went off the rails, but on this date, back in the 1980s, it was one of those significant moments, and I cannot imagine how that moment would have been debated today. Not only a significant moment, but also this. Not only a significant moment, but one of the greatest wall posters that we all may have had, and certainly I did, of all time, which makes this date incredibly special, at least for me. Come back to that, your calls, maybe some Luke Bryan tickets for you. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Oh. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Of the uh, Lukes out there, is Luke at the top of the list of the best Lukes? Luke Bryan? Luke Combs? Luke Basso? No. <laughs> Luke Basso is driving around saying, shout out. Luke Skywalker, both. Luke Skywalker from Two Live Crew and Luke Skywalker from Star Wars. Yeah, it's Luke Bryan. Number nine is going to go to the show coming up in August. Thank you, Live Nation. Got another pair coming up for you a little bit later on. Hey, JMV, this is from Rex. When did it change that you can't announce a Super Bowl coordinator getting a head coaching job before the Super Bowl? Well, you could. I think any news, any news whatsoever that the NFL deems has an effect on the Super Bowl pub is frowned upon. Now, I will tell you this. We care about this Colts job a great deal, but come on. If they were to go ahead right now and say, let's just say it's not Shane Steichen. Well, if they're going to say right now, this is who we're hiring. We're going to do it on this Wednesday or the Super Bowl week. How much of a ripple will that actually have? It would matter to us. They would lose our attention for a while. And a lot of you, you could take a deep sigh of relief, probably, unless you didn't like who they selected. But does it matter? And now what you're going to say, too, what about the Cardinals? Well, they're in Arizona, and that would also, it doesn't matter either. It's the Cardinals and the Colts right now. I mean, ESPN National Show, you think Greenberg? If it were the Jets, then all time would still, hold on a minute. Hold on. We got to talk about this for days. Who's going to be the Jets' backup quarterback? But nah, 
around here, we would care. It would be a ripple in Glendale, Arizona. But no, it's not, not a rule, but this frowned upon, Rex. Frowned upon. Josh says Luke Bryan is the textbook definition of bro country. Bro country. <laughs> I will say this. I've had a lot of people say, listen, people can say what they want about Luke Bryan and a Luke Bryan show. But he says, if you're a dude, there are a load of chicks out there for you. You had a lot of these guys that load of chicks. Don't blame you. Don't blame me at all. Hey, JMV, I think your assessment of the Colts right now is spot on. Now, ultimately, you're not going to know anything until they play, and there has been so much anti-goodwill built around here that it's going to take a little bit to get that back. Yeah, no question about it. Remember, they had to build something after last year. And as I mentioned earlier, they doubled down on the negative of last year. Made it worse. Both inside and outside made it worse. Brett chimes in 100% agree regarding Steichen announcement. Why wait if not for a Super Bowl coach? Here's the reason why I believe it. You guys ready? The reason why I believe is, and this is what's hanging out there. It is, and, and this is not a Colts thought. I think this is like everybody else's thought. This gives everybody else a reason to believe. If you're for, then so be it. Most of you are anti-Jeff Saturday. But it gives those, especially those that are motivated by not wanting to hear Jeff Saturday being the next head coach that have been motivated to sign a petition, which is ridiculous, whatever, it still gives you that belief that the possibility looms, that the owner says, you know what, all these guys, be damned, this is my guy right here. This is who I trust. And bringing back Jeff Saturday. Now, to that point, uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Saturday is something I talked about with Zach Kiefer on Monday. And I had mentioned to Zach of The Athletic on this show about the rumor, the lone rumor that I had heard. And in years past, you get lots of rumors floating around, both local and national, but really nothing. And the lone rumor I had heard that, and I asked him if this were the case, and again, didn't report it, but I just said it was a rumor that had you heard that Jeff Saturday had been eliminated right now and they weren't going to go in that direction. And he went along along the same lines of suggesting he didn't believe Jeff Saturday was going to be the next head coach either. Uh, I didn't think too much of it. And then today, apparently, as I mentioned earlier, Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show had Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network on and talked about this. We're waiting on the Cardinals. We're waiting on the Colts, obviously. The Colts have so many finalists, and they are in the process of whittling that down. But what I don't think they have done is eliminated anyone, because usually that's how you kind of learn like where yeah, it's going, because guys get eliminated. We have not done that yet. And Ursay said matter of day. JMV said, JMV, local radio host, he's been on for 20 years in Indy, on the station that has a deal with the Colts. I believe he's hosted a, a show with somebody like general manager or coach from the Colts. So, so someone real. In okay. the past, has been in Indiana a long time. Mm-hmm. He said that Jeff Saturday's been eliminated from the head coaching search. 
Uh, I do not believe that is the case. JMV's lying? What? Wow. You don't know John not Michael. That's the case. I love JMV. Too it, it, it looks like Rascal Flatts guy. <laughs> I didn't even know the Rascal Flatts guy stuff was going until somebody said, hey, it's one thing. That he's talking about what you and Zach Kiefer were talking about on Monday, but it's something completely different regarding Rascal Flats. That's pretty funny. So Ian Rappaport, and again, if I'd have Ian Rappaport on, I would frame that rumor up the same way that I framed it up to Zach on Monday. But Ian Rappaport, Ian Rappaport doesn't believe that either. Here's one of the big reasons is because everybody, me, them, us, nobody really has anything to go on. And that was the point I was making to Zach on Monday, is this is so unlike the last time this happened. I mean, you really heard the last time that Chris Ballard was hiring a coach here. One of the first names out of anybody's mouth was Josh McDaniels. And, and remember, a lot of you had to talk yourself into it. Remember how much you had to talk yourself into it? Oh, but man, not this jackass. What? And then by the time you got yourself talked into it, yeah, okay, well, for the betterment of the team, I mean, look what he did with Tom Brady. And you know, by the time you talked yourself into it, that's when the floor dropped out from under you and Josh McDaniel said 11th hour decision-wise, screw this, I don't want to go there. I'm going to go back to Foxborough. Remember, you had to spend all that time talking yourself. I remember having shows having to explain to people. Well, this is why you could look at it as a positive, but nobody was having it. All you can think about is Josh McDaniels and Foxborough, and this guy's a jackass, and I don't want him as the next head coach. In fact, when you found out that he bailed, a lot of you, if you remember, were relieved. You were relieved that this guy was not going to be the next head coach. Yeah, the problem that you have there is the lesson learned in going after a guy like McDaniels, hard-targeting McDaniels early. And in this one, they have been double figures deep in interviewing those candidates for the next head coach here. And that first time around is the very reason for that. But even more impressive to me than the first time around is the fact that then you had all these rumors, both nationally and locally, floating around. There has been little to nothing here. Little to nothing. And you can tell also, by the way, that nationally they handle that. If you heard that piece I just played from the Pat McAfee show uh, regarding me, if you heard that in what Ian Rappaport was talking about, and, and nobody does. He doesn't have a clue either. Doesn't have a clue either. Now, he disagrees with me, and that's cool. I would, too. But nobody has a clue. In the back of everybody's mind, can you deny this right now as a Colts fan? You believe at some point that there is a possibility that Jim Mercer just says, hey, you know what? I'm going to be proven right on my belief in Saturday. Until somebody else is absolutely hired, you are going to believe that that could be the absolute end of decision game changer because it's going to come down to the owner. 
And no, nobody has nobody has a clue. That literally is the only rumored thing that I had heard was that. And I presented that to Zach on Monday, and then Pat McAfee went with with Ian Rappaport a little bit earlier today on his show, which I do appreciate. But a lot of you had asked over the course of the afternoon after hearing that live what actually was said if you missed it on Monday. And I wanted to make sure that I explained it fully for you because, listen, sometimes you talk a lot. Sometimes things can be taken out of context. I don't blame you. And I've said this all the time regarding social media. That's why I'm really careful with that. I mean, you talk about social media misinterpreting anything. But you'd ask, and I thought I would explain that to you if you were listening to the Pat McAfee show a little bit earlier today. Ray and Indy says nothing against Ian Rappaport, but I'll believe the afternoon guy here who has been around for almost 30 years. The Rascal Flats thing is just a plus. No doubt about that, Ray. Thank you. He's the one that's plump, though, right? So am I, can, is, am, am I plump, too? Is that it? We do look a lot. I will say this. It looks like that he is a brother from another mother. Kind of. It looks like there's there's a decent resemblance right there. Hey, JMV, the NFL doesn't want any news coming out that could affect the betting odds. Would be the only reason not to announce it from one of the two remaining teams. Yeah, Jeffrey. It's just... Maybe to a degree, again, it's the Colts and the Cardinals. And I know you're you're thinking if you know, a rumor comes out regarding Steichen, whatever. I just don't think it matters a great deal. And I think overall, it's just the attention that could possibly take it away. When you think about it, too, the attention has already been taken away by virtue of last night with LeBron James in L.A. And the NBA also with LeBron James, I mean, you know, you get to celebrate LeBron James right now, but the attention was also taken away from, you know, the whole Kyrie Irving story, which I'm sure people breathed a sigh of relief about, but also regarding the trade deadline. But the NFL just doesn't want news. Historically speaking, the NFL does not want news to come out in the week leading up because they they don't want to feast upon their own. They want everything to be about the big game, and that's where the focus is. My contention is that regarding the Colts story, I think we're really the only ones that really care, and it's not like, right? If it's Jeff Saturday, I guess that could be different. But if it's going to be somebody else, it's not like it's going to be these earth-shattering, oh, my goodness, look what they just did type of hires. Know what I mean? It's not like I mean, if it's going to be an offensive coordinator that hasn't had a gig or I'll give you a great example. I'm not suggesting this at all. If it's going to be Wink Martindale or Rich Bisaccia, somebody like that. I mean, how much of a ripple in the NFL pool will that actually make? Not much. That just goes against what is there. I guess it's an unwritten protocol. But it has been well-known for a long period of time. Who won those tickets? Who's going to see a little bro country with Luke Bryan in August? Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Who was it? Uh, Josh won. Josh is the one. Well done, Josh. I'm telling you, Josh, people are telling me 
because I've never been, I don't know too much about it, that that is a concert that you may want to go dateless to. I, I don't know anything about that. That's just what everybody's telling me. It's kind of like the good and the bad of Nickelback. People say, well, you know, it's Nickelback, but Nickelback will bring out the chicks from what they say. I've never been to a Nickelback show. So Josh, congratulations. Somebody else is going to win. That's going to happen in the 5 o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen's going to be there. Rafael Davis on the significance of Saturday for both IU and Purdue, but maybe even more so of that win by IU over Rutgers last night. Here's another question. I know what you're going to say. I'm constantly in my past propping up both Miles Turner and Trace Jackson Davis. Honest question here. Because I think I feel pretty good about them both. I think I feel pretty good about them both doing what people now expect them to do at this point. Do we kind of, I shouldn't say we because it's not me, are you kind of short-sighted in terms of the type of credit you end up giving Trace Jackson Davis? 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds. That's pretty significant. Does he get enough credit? I'm not talking about NIL or money he's going to get where he is right now, but enough credit. Do you look at him as an all-timer or do you not look at him as an all-timer because of the lack of certainly NCAA level experience here? Does he get enough credit? Or are you still waiting because you're waiting on the team to do some things that you want them to do or maybe you certainly now expect them to do? Rafael Davis joins us in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk about that. 239-1070 coming up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, JMV, did you see Mellencamp was at the IU Auditorium this week? Earlier this week, I saw Mike Woodson and Terry Morin were both there, IU basketball coaches. I saw Mellencamp back in 83. I think it was in support of the Uh Uh-Huh Tour. I saw that inside the IU Auditorium, and we were sitting below probably in row 20 on, uh, I say lower deck. We weren't in the balcony. And I think it was, I can't remember if it was Hurt So Good or what. Maybe it was crumbling down the wall, right? Which would have been appropriate. But the balcony was shaken and the underneath portion of the balcony was falling apart and falling on people's heads. That was like 1983, I think. So I saw Mellencamp there. I saw Mellencamp. Back in the uh, 90s, he and Henry Lee Summer Memorial Stadium during Little Five Weekend, if you can imagine. It was incredibly fortunate that I did not get arrested. Shout out to me. Awesome time. But yeah, 83 uh uh-huh tour, IU Auditorium. But I did see a lot of people tweeting from pictures from the IU Auditorium. I think back-to-back nights for Mellencamp to start off his 2023 tour. JMV, 1075thefan.com. I know you talk about the Tavern Tour stops. Have you ever thought about going to Ladoga? 
Uh, until this point in time, I have not thought about going to Ladoga, but Rick brings up the Canning Factory Bar and Grill in Ladoga. Anybody ever heard of that? Canning Factory Bar and Grill, Ladoga. So I've not thought about that, but I would not mind, and I think I think Brent Holverson's with me on this. I don't think we mind if we go out a little bit. What is is Ladoga in Montgomery County? It looks like it is, right? I think it's in Montgomery County. Canning Factory Bar and Grill, according to Rick, would be a great tavern tour stop. I'll take your word for it right there. So I think anything is open, and I don't think there's much of an issue if we have to go someplace and travel, for example. Ladoga's not that far away. J.A.V., you remember this date back in 1986? February 8th, 1986. And I can only imagine the type of debate that would lead to today, and here's why. Because five foot seven Spud Webb of the Atlanta Hawks won the NBA Slam Dunk Contest. And it was incredibly spectacular because none of us have ever seen live anybody five foot seven do in the air and dunk what Spud Webb did. Just one of the greatest posters on the wall of all time there. Had that on my wall. Here's what's funny about it. The debate you would have today is, and if you remember, both Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins, I think, were both a part of this in 86. Maybe it was just Dominique Wilkins, but I thought it was Jordan and Wilkins. It may have just been Wilkins. Actually, I think it did come down to the finals between teammates Spud Webb and Dominique Wilkins of memory serves. And so many people thought, well, look, at and this was a little bit of the argument, but this would definitely be the argument today. All right, the guy is 5'7", but he's not really doing anything certainly better than a guy power dunking and doing what Dominique Wilkins had done. He's just going up and dunking it, and the reason why everybody's excited is because he was 5'7", and that's exactly right. It was an amazing dunk contest because, again, none of us had ever seen that. I don't know. Maybe you saw that in private someplace. I'm not sure, but nobody had ever seen that from somebody 5'7", go up and do what Spud Webb did in that dunk contest. I remember absolutely being floored. What? And obviously, you watched him play at North Carolina State collegially. But that type of athleticism for somebody that size, you just didn't see that then. And then, as I mentioned, too, going down in history as one of the greatest posters of all time. I thought it was amazing. Those were skeptical about it. Those that were skeptical about it suggested, well, I mean, Dominique Wilkins could do what he was doing in his sleep. And, yeah, it was Wilkins and it was Spud Webb. Michael Jordan did not participate. But if you remember, Michael Jordan was on the sideline. Michael Jordan was on the sideline kind of in awe of what this five-foot-seven player was doing. And so was the rest of the world. I said the rest of the world, that's too much. But basketball fans watching this, you had never seen anybody that size do that ever. Yeah, this date back in 1986, and again, made one of the greatest posters in the history of posters. 
And there are a lot of them. From the ice man sitting on these so-called uh, ice blocks to, you know, all, especially those Converse posters. I think that Spud Webb was a Converse poster. Remember George McGinnis, Big Mac, it said on it. Isaiah Thomas had a popular one back in the day. Uh, this date in 86, it was Spud Webb putting on a dunk show, which now the dunk contest, and rightly so, was mess, you know, kind of unfortunately met with a huge yawn and eh, boring, whatever. But man, back then that thing was legit. And there was always a group of folks that thought that Dominic Wilkins got screwed. Always got screwed. But that was a good one right there. This date, 1986, Spud Webb, 5'7", winning the NBA All-Star Weekend dunk competition. All right. Kevin Bowen's going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Rafael Davis, bottom of the 5 o'clock hour. Luke Bryan tickets, August Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Your chance to win those once again coming up when you hear a Luke Bryan reentry number 9. When you get that cue to call is going to win. We got that for you and a lot more. Hour 3 straight ahead on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Pacers heat tonight. 7.30 tip time. 7 o'clock. Your coverage begins right here. Boilermakers at home against Iowa coming up tomorrow night. IU and, as my grandmother used to call them, I mentioned earlier this week, Iowa instead of Iowa. IU and Iowa, the ladies coming up. I believe that's tomorrow, too, down in Bloomington, right? What's her name? Caitlin Clark that can shoot the absolute lights out. Uh, we have talked to so far this season both Grace Berger and Sydney Parrish, outstanding conversations. IU at the start of the week up to number two in the nation, which is the first time they've ever done that, which is amazing. And then the IU men's team last night, once again behind Trace Jackson Davis, a win. And I thought that it was big, not in terms of a lot of people were complaining about the rough play, the physical play of Rutgers. I thought it was big in terms of IU showing that they can get through that. IU teams of the past may have wilted. Got that, the Colts coaching search as a head coach and more. And, of course, Super Bowl lead-up week. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from the morning show. Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. I'm curious your thoughts. I have obviously uh, been big time in support of both Miles Turner and Trace Jackson Davis. With what Trace Jackson Davis has accomplished, and I know that the resume as far as, you know, a Big Ten title or resume as far as the NCAA tournament is not what anybody wants it to be. 
But his resume of production in points over 2,000, in rebounds over 1,000, does he get sold short, you think, by a lot of IU fans out there for what he has accomplished in that Hoosier uniform? Uh, There probably is an element of that. And, you know, I I do think ultimately when you evaluate, you know, anybody at the end of their respective career, team accomplishments have to matter. But if you can put those to the side, I mean, undoubtedly, it's one of the best careers ever in in Bloomington. I was shocked last night when Dave Revson said that he was the first player in school history to have 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. I'm thinking, you know, Benson or Walt Bellamy or, you know, Ray Tolbert, you know, I mean, Alan Henderson, you know, I, I was, I was stunned when he said that. And it's not like he's had, you know, this year clearly is the most perimeter health he's had. It's not like he's been playing with, you know, bona fide backcourts or, you know, great point guard play that has fed him the ball. And, you know, so many of these, you know, terrific situations, you know, he's had a coaching change, um, which, you know, if you look at the history of Indiana, obviously the last 20 years would be different. But before that, there certainly was great continuity from a coaching staff standpoint. Um, and I, I think the element of his game, John, that has probably impressed me the most this year is, you know, I think we all were like, all right, you know, is he going to shoot the ball a little bit more from the perimeter? Is he going to have a little bit more of a right hand to his game? He's done such an unbelievable job of continuing to play to his strengths but also his ability to pass and his decision-making with the double teams, I, I think that's the difference in his game this season and has taken it to another level. I mean, obviously the points and rebounds speak for themselves, but um, he's got to be averaging close to five, five assists per game in Big Ten play. I thought that was a huge part of Saturday. I thought when you know Purdue doubled, you know, they would kind of run the double at him, it felt like, early on. And Trace just found such a beautiful balance. Of, and guys knocked down shots, too. And then that takes you away from sure, being able to do sure. that. Yeah, no doubt. And I I thought he did a wonderful job on Saturday of like being decisive yep. when he needed to be, but then also when he felt like he needed to be patient, pull, you know, pull the ball back out, then attack. He did a really nice job. And, again, this year he certainly has better perimeter shooting around him. Uh, but, yeah, individually, I mean, if it weren't for Zach Eady, you'd probably say Trace Jackson Davis is the runaway favorite certainly for the Big Ten and would, you know, be, you know, probably him and uh, the Wilson kid from Kansas would be the favorite for national player of the year. So Kevin Bowen with us, you know, I I agree with you on the whole passing game. I told him this last week. I never thought that he would evolve into the type of on-the-floor leader, vocal leader that he has become. I was always questioning. I would always say that to Don Fisher, and then I actually asked him that last week. And I think he's accomplished something in that category that maybe he didn't think he was was going to end up being very, you know, the most incredibly nice kid you'll ever meet. There's no question sure. about that. But a little bit more soft-spoken, wasn't really, you know, that cool about getting after guys. And, you know, now you can see that level of leadership. And he talked about the role that Mike Woodson has played in developing that leadership. I think that's also huge, along with all the other aspects we see on the floor to his development. Yeah, and obviously so desperately needed for that program when you've lacked that, in my opinion, and you even lacked it this past offseason with some guys and and choices off the floor. Um, And boy, yeah, he does. I mean, you, you would know far better than I. Gosh, he seems like such a nice kid. 
incredibly yeah, nice. When, and and all, I thought yeah. sometimes I always thought, man, you're too nice. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're almost too nice. But that's that's not but, the case. I feel like when he gets between the lines, there is a little bit of that edge there is. that 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 he has. Um, and I think part of it, and again, you know this full well, John, it's not like he was the dominant sixth grader in the Center Grove School District or even averaging 15 a game as a freshman on varsity. Like, you know, he's kind of blossomed into this. And so, you know, maybe that comes from a little bit of a, it took him time to get into that, you know, full-on leadership role. But I think he has a really, really good grasp of realizing this is it. And, you know, for Indiana, Jalen Huchifino and Trace Jackson Davis, there's probably a pretty good chance they're not here next fall. And for Trace, this is probably it for him. And the fact that, you know, he's had such an understanding of that and has been able to grasp it. And, you know, good job by him and the staff and kind of collaborating on the, hey, let's sit out some of these games around Christmas. I think that ended up being a huge thing for him. I mean, I haven't seen him really favor his back. Or I remember that Iowa game. I mean, he was struggling at times there physically. And it just seems like they've gotten that figured out. And he is on. I mean, him and Zach Eady, unanimous first team All American. He's got the quickest second jump in college basketball. His his second jump. I mean, as soon as that ball goes up, he's already into that second jump. Yeah, pogo stick, and that was his two thousand point. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, last it night was, was, yeah. was one of those putbacks. And you, if you think about a couple games where Indiana has been really real and late. Minnesota and last night. I mean, last night that scoring drought was like eight or nine minutes, and they took a timeout and they drew up a race Thompson, or it ended up being a race Thompson fadeaway out of the timeout. Probably about the thirty seventh thing you wanted out of that timeout. And in Minnesota's case, he got the offensive rebound off the free throw to ice that game. And then last night, that putback was absolutely huge. I know Galloway probably iced it for good with his putback and the three point play, but you know they made a couple plays late that. It won't show up any highlight reel at the end of the year, but they made some plays that Rutgers usually makes against them. And Trace getting that put back, Galloway getting that offensive rebound. Again, those are just steps where, you know, last year they beat Purdue and then Michigan, a bad Michigan team, spokes them at Assembly Hall. Last night, you don't have the emotional hangover and you beat, you know, a really good Rutgers team. Uh, in your own building. I know a lot of IU fans were talking about how rough and overly physical and how they hate the brand of basketball of Steve Peichel and Rutgers. And I told them earlier, look beyond that and look at the fact that an IU team of the past, as you mentioned, would have absolutely wilted in those moments of physicality. This team, even at home, found a way to overcome it. That last night was a big deal to me. And again, whether you like it or not, if you want to do anything in March, you're going to have to win in different ways. Yes. I mean, no matter what sort of second, third weekend run you see out of any team, you're going to have to win in different ways. And, you know, that's why it has me thinking a little bit with with Purdue. I, I know it's kind of like a stupid thing to even say, but would it be well served for Purdue in the month of March if at some point here in February, Zach Eady just has a game where he gets two fouls in the first eight minutes? And he gets four fouls by the 10-minute mark of the second half, and Purdue has to play with Zach Eady only playing 20 minutes. You know, would that be well served? Obviously, they want to win the Big Ten. They want to maintain number one seed, number one overall seed, all of those things. But I think finding different ways to win, being thrown into different situations, knowing full well the whistle in the Big Ten is probably going to be different than what you experience in the tournament. 
I, I think that's something that, you know, could be good for Purdue at some point here coming up in the month of February. So uh, Kevin Bowen morning show, Kevin and query that's seven until 10 a.m. Weekday mornings right here on 107.5, 93.5, the fan stream, the app, HD radio, all that stuff. Uh, just like us on YouTube Live as well. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, and Zach Kiefer and I had this conversation, Stephen Holder, yesterday as well. Are, are you in belief that the reason why we don't know the next head coach of the Colts is because he's going to be coordinating the NFC champions offense coming up on Sunday evening? You know, if you were to tell me, all right, you know, here's a $10 bill, you put it on one candidate right now, I probably put it on Shane Steichen. I don't say it with like an absurd amount of confidence. Um, I think a lot of the Colts silence, a lot of the Colts fear and their thoroughness throughout all of this. And the fact that they don't want anything to leak all stems from Josh McDaniels in 2018, all of it. Um, I think Chris Ballard carries a pretty heavy amount of embarrassment for that and a lot of egg on his face. And a lot of this is like, like kind of self-owned. You know, Ballard, I think, would, would tell you this. And they don't want to go through that. He doesn't want to go through that again. And while that might seem far-fetched and, you know, the odds of that happening are pretty slim, I do think that's a big part of wanting to be so exhaustive in this process. So um, I, I have not, like, gotten the feeling that, you know, all of a sudden they've told five candidates, no, no, I, you know, maybe they've told some, maybe Ajero Evero got word that, you know, he could go pursue defensive coordinator jobs and obviously took that job with Frank Wright in Carolina. But um, I, if I were willing to throw a little bit out there, I guess I'd throw it on Steichen. But even then I don't say it with a huge amount of confidence. I think if we get to Friday, John, and there still hasn't been, you know, any leaks that would lend me to think a little bit more that it is Steichen because obviously, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, obviously you got Biennemi and Steichen in the Super Bowl. I think Biennemi is represented by a different agent. I think um, Steichen and Ballard have the same agent. So clearly you would have motives for both of those camps. It's the same camp, if you will, to want to keep it quiet. And, I mean, if you're Steichen, I mean, you are calling plays in the Super Bowl. I, I don't think you'd want to be dealing with your phone blowing up or anything like that in kind of the 48 hours, 72 hours leading up to Sunday. Whereas if it were a Brian Callahan or a Raheem Morris, I think you could have a little bit more of a, of a leakage or, you know, any of those other candidates that you want to throw, throw out there. Kevin Bowen just said leakage. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive <laughs> Group hotline. Have you have you eliminated Jeff Saturday? Gosh, you're making me choke on that. Um, I yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised if Jeff Saturday is the head coach. Um, I mean, it's Jim Irsay, so it's probably foolish for me to you know make that in a concrete statement. But yes, I would be surprised if Jeff Saturday was the head coach. If the Colts bring home the Minnesota game or the Dallas game, and certainly if they brought home the Philly game, I'm not talking about all of them, maybe just one of the three. Do you think this is a different situation regarding Jeff Saturday? Well, that's a good one. Um, I mean, hell, if they win two of those three, Ursay probably builds in the statue next to Peyton out front. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it probably is. I, I, I do. I, I absolutely do. 
Yeah. I think you could argue, too, if just the embarrassment wasn't so bad. Like, if, if December into January did not unfold to that level. Because, again, we, we, you know, you throw out there Minnesota in the second half. You throw out there Dallas in the fourth quarter. The last two games were, I would argue, right up there in terms of embarrassment. The Giants hadn't beat a single team all year by more than eight points. They beat you by, what was it, 38-10, I think it was, or 28 points. And then the final week of the season – you get down again by double digits to the Texans, the team that's getting ready to fire their head coach. And obviously what happens at the end kind of speaks for itself. So, yeah, I mean, if you throw in a couple of those wins, certainly, and I think if you just lessen the level of embarrassment, in, in Ursay's eyes, I do think um, he would have stepped in. But, you know, I might be giving Jim too much credit here, and I might be premature with this thought, but – you know, we are a month into this, and if you look at Ursay's tweet yesterday, I mean, that's exactly what Chris Ballard has wanted out of this process is to be extremely thorough, be very patient, interview a ton of candidates, um, you know, not get into any, you know, rash decisions like he did in 2018. And so in a way, I, I do feel like, and again, it might be a little bit premature to say, but I think the Jim Irsay over the last month is a little bit different than the Jim Irsay we've seen over the last year. And I think you've said it before, John, like you need to kind of give your organization and let the people you hire, let them handle those responsibilities for why you hired them. Now, I think, you know, it's fair to have an argument that, again, why should Chris Ballard still be here in year seven? That's fine. But if he's going to be here, you know, isn't there an element of let the GM do his job? So Kevin Bowens with us. Do you think and you you mentioned some things here, but do you think an element to how and I, I don't know how much, if at all, we've talked about this, an element of how that season went down, especially with all the losing down the stretch from basically you know week eleven on. When did you see, if at all, these guys where you could honestly point the finger and said, "Have they checked out? Have some of these guys player wise checked out?" Think there was a think there was something we could go on as far as these guys checking out or each and every game did you think, well, they gave this effort, but Yeah, I um I mean it's certainly a thought that ran through my head. Um it's a question I asked Ballard at the season ending press conference. I mean, he was very protective of his players and, and didn't feel like he got that vibe at all. Um again, how much of that is just you know, him wanting to protect them and who knows. I I think you got to probably take each individual case study. I, I tend to think, you know, football's a game where if you are checking out, boy, I mean, you got to be worried about physically just your, you know, injury situation, career, if you're going to half-ass it. And I don't know, maybe preparation-wise, you don't spend as much time during that week. Um, so I, I don't know if I can point to, like, a definite – you know, that guy, you know, he, whatever, didn't give 110% on that play. And that guy did that. I just think it was a bad football team. It was bad. And, yes, the embarrassment reached different levels late in the year. Um, I mean, I guess you could argue, you know, Giants, you competed really – or uh, the Cowboys, you competed really well for three quarters. And Vikings, a half. Maybe what you saw against the Giants and what you saw against the Texans is where you did have guys, you know, oh, yeah, when is that flight to the Caribbean? And maybe my Wednesday time spent at the complex isn't as extensive as it was. Maybe there was a little bit of that. 
I tend to think that there wasn't as much as we just tend to think. I think we always think, oh, late in the year, you know, everybody just checks out and that's how it goes. Um, I just think it was a bad football team, and that's why, to me, so much of this is more personnel-based than it is um, coaching-based. It's a Kevin Bowen morning show, Kevin and Query. That is 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Anything that you foresee, trade deadline-wise, you think the Pacers may find something interesting out there that they might try to add for the future here? Yeah, I'll be curious to see what you do with the surplus of centers. Um, I mean, you have a massive log jam at a position that, you know, teams sometimes don't even play a true center, you know, for 48 minutes. Obviously, Miles, you know, whatever, 35 minutes a night. And then lately, Daniel Tice has picked up, you know, the other – 13, uh, but Goga continues to be a DNP. Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith have kind of slotted into that, and there doesn't appear to be much of a future for either of them at that four position. They, they just seem to be Aaron Neesmith, O'Shea Brissett. So I would like to think you could pair one of those guys with, I don't know, maybe one of the picks that you have, or maybe with Chris Duarte, and maybe you get a higher pick in the first round. Maybe you get a young piece that, you know, it's kind of similar to some of these pieces that you added to where, okay, we have too much here. We have too little here. Let's find a team where the reverse of that is the case and let's try and get a little bit of a fit. And, you know, can you get back what you're giving away a little bit in, you know, Duarte and Goga, former top 20 picks, or, you know, I still think it's early on Isaiah Jackson. I probably wouldn't move him. But can you look at that and say, all right, we don't have a ton of playing time for them here. You have a ton of playing time for them there. Why don't we make a trade uh, with that? That would be something that I would explore. But, you know, if we would have this conversation back in the fall, I would have been much more in the pro buddy healed trade camp. No way I'd do that. I think he means too much to you. I think shooting is a skill set that doesn't age as much as others. He's extremely durable. Um, and I think he helps Tyrese Halliburton a whole lot. and helps Benedict Mather a whole lot. So I would definitely keep him. So that would probably be where I would be looking, Duarte and then um, one of your bigs. So Evan Sidery came on with me at Basketball News a couple of days ago, and I'd, I'd ask him about the trade deadline. And you know, he, he was talking about Ananobi, talking about John Collins. I think he had mentioned, and who knows if this is indeed the case, but he had mentioned that maybe a, you know, a couple of picks and a, a present player could end up getting Ananobi. And maybe one pick and a present player could get John Collins. Would either one of those, and again, this is so incredibly hypothetical, either one of those interest you with either one of those players in mind for the Pacers? Give me those names one more time. Sorry. No, oh, it was a it was it was it was two picks. So a couple of first rounders, and I'm assuming somebody like Duarte, for example. This is what he said for Ananobi. And then one pick and then Duarte for John Collins. And, again, that's incredibly hypothetical. But since I brought yeah. it up, would you do something like that with either? Yeah, I, I think I would do it for OG. Uh, I don't know. Collins has kind of always rubbed me a little bit in the wrong way. I, I, I think he's a fine player. <clears throat> I, don't, I think he's a little overhyped. I think he would certainly fit a need on your roster from a four-man standpoint, but I don't know if I would give up. That I certainly wouldn't touch your own lottery pick for Collins. I mean, Ananobi to me is like very close to what you're missing in terms of a 
long, you know, strong defender, could play the three, could play the four, get the vibe that he would want to be here. Obviously, that would be huge because I think he's a free agent coming up next year. Um, And he just seems like he wouldn't demand the ball. I mean, he'd be pretty accepting of his role. I, you know, I think ever since Indiana, you see it on an annual basis. He continues to get better. And just as a great defender, because for how great of a rim protector Miles is, this continues to be, you know, bottom five team in, in scoring. And you, I just think you've got to get better. Well, they, they can't guard anybody on the perimeter, man. I mean, they can guard yeah. nobody. And, and part of it, I hate to say this, but part of it is kind of on them. I think they could if they would. And they just haven't, I guess, learned yet how to. Now, you know, Buddy Hill notwithstanding, because Buddy Hill sometimes will struggle defensively. And the fact that in that Cleveland game, for whatever reason, Rick Carlisle went with a small lineup and he got beat up both on the interior and then gave up all those threes, that was concerning. But Yeah, I just think in a wing-driven league, you need somebody like that. And, you know, if you were kind of map out like a starting five moving forward, okay, is it, you know, Halliburton, Heald, Matherin, you have OG, you have Miles, then your bench unit would be like a Nemhard, Eric Neesmith. Um, you know, obviously you st- would still have some other pieces to fill in that bench group. You could play around the things in terms of, okay, Neesmith at some nights could – you know, be in kind of a closing unit because I do think he's shown signs to where if other teams are going small, you can go small with him. I just think it would give you a lot of options. And this team right now, I think, lacks that. I think that they're asking way too much of Neesmith Smith to play him at the four. O'Shea Percent is really their only, uh, you know, power forward type of guy. And I don't think the Pacers want to do the Neesmith thing. I think they're doing it because they feel like they have to in the short term because again they promised Jalen Smith at the start of the year you you'd be our starting four. I think they think that sort of body type, maybe not as big as Jalen Smith, but that type of guy is more of what you'd want. So I think I would do the OG thing. Um it, it does sound like this draft in the top ten has got some, you know, pretty intriguing pieces, but you know, I also can acknowledge that as much as I think the draft is the route you have to go in this market, you're not gonna hit on an annual basis. I mean hell you could argue that if you look at the year before draft, Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, for as much promise as you saw with them in their rookie seasons, they're all of a sudden trending in a direction where you you question how much they should be a part of your future. Again, I think it's early on Jackson, but Duarte, I think a lot of people are ready to be done with them. So I would do the OG thing. Um, yeah, I would. What you guys got coming up in the morning? We've got oh, – I actually think – I was about to say we have Adam Vinatieri. I think we were doing Adam Vinatieri on Friday. Yeah. Uh, he's joining us um, from the Super Bowl. And so tomorrow, I know we got Scott Agnes talk trade deadline, Mike DeCourcy to uh, preview Purdue-Iowa tomorrow night and talk a little bit about the Big Ten and then uh, Zach Keeper. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll be listening mm-hmm. then tomorrow morning. Do you think they do anything trade deadline-wise? No, I don't. Not even one of the, you know, one of the circles. I would like to see it. I would like to see it because I've called it, you know, instead of, you know, buying or selling, I've called it building. Uh, I'd like to see them find something that they think is a future piece that's already made instead of relying on picks and then having to come in and baby picks until they're they're good to go. I'd like to see somebody that's already made piece. I think that'd be pretty cool. Do I expect it? No. 
I like the building. Uh, that's a good. It's a good term. But yeah, I, I just. I think it was Friday night, and I get it. Part of this is they were fully healthy, and they had like three former first round picks and like recent first round picks. Just did not play coach's decision, and it's like okay, that's you know you could I think move one of those guys, and again maybe you find a piece that can you know help you out and enter the the rotation at a spot where maybe you are looking for different body types or more playing time. So, um, I, I believe Tony East Tony East has something at uh, Fan Nation or uh, SI wherever he works, um, suggesting that Rick Carlisle was quoted as saying very doubtful anything happens. Got it. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, obviously, Dominoes, they're in a position to where, you know, how much did they know a couple of years ago that James Harden would be on the move and they kind of tagged along with, with that one. They've got some cap space. They've got some picks. They've got some veterans. They can yeah. get involved if something happens. So we'll see how it all unfolds. You got it. Kev will be listening. Thanks, buddy. All right, John. Have a good one. It's uh, Kevin Bowen right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. About an hour ago, Adrian Wojnarowski said three-way talks with the Lakers, Jazz, and T-Wolves would potentially land D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley with L.A., Mike Conley Jr. and picks to the Timberwolves, and Russell Westbrook and picks to the Jazz. Jazz remain engaged elsewhere on Conley Jr. too. Two minutes ago, Wojnarowski, three-team trade is largely hinging on how Minnesota values D'Angelo Russell in potential deal and their return on draft assets. Lakers and Jazz have significant deal structure in place, but Minnesota has been engaged elsewhere on D'Angelo Russell, too. We'll continue to follow that. Other side, Rafael Davis, Big Ten Network. We'll talk both IU, Purdue, and the Big Ten and more. And your chance to win Luke Bryan tickets coming up, too. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana. You got the heat and the pacers tonight. 7.30, the tip, 7 o'clock. Your coverage. You can hear it right here. Kevin Bowen of the Morning Show. A little bit earlier, too. Luke Bryan tickets coming at you one more time before the end of this show. Can't wait for that. I mentioned this, too. Tony East has the article uh, with a quote from Rick Carlisle saying it's very doubtful anything happens at the NBA trade deadline regarding the Pacers. We'll follow any of the other stories that are going on there as well. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, you can catch him all the time on the Big Ten Network doing a fantastic job of the analyst work and more regarding college hoop in the Big Ten. Rafael Davis joins us now. Rafael, thanks for the time. How are you? 
appreciate you having me on. I'm glad to be here. All right. good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I, I want to start last night, and a lot of people, Ray Fell, were saying this regarding IU. It was more about the way that Rutgers played and too physical. And I don't like that brand of basketball and you know the whole Mokehi thing where people thought that he intentionally tried to trip Trace Jackson Davis. And I put all of that to the side and said, listen, this is a part of the growth of this IU team that we're seeing because under circumstances like that in the past, that's a game we have seen it against Rutgers that IU would lose. Last night, they hung together, they stayed physical and got through it. I just thought it was more of a plus in the whole development of the IU team than I was really about the style of play that Steve Peichel and Rutgers has. Oh, yeah, I'm not. You can't complain about the way Rutgers plays. That's Big Ten basketball. That's everything you want. If you're a Big Ten fan, I mean, this is the the Big Ten conference. It's supposed to be physical. It's supposed to be tough. No, you're not supposed to go out there and try and intentionally hurt someone. You're not supposed to try and trip someone, but you're supposed to go out there and fight, and you're supposed to take the fight to your opponent, and that's what Rutgers did. That's what Rutgers did in that first game in Piscataway, New Jersey. They took the fight right to Indiana. They fought Indiana, and it's as simple as that. They were plus 14 on the glass. They had 17 offensive rebounds. Rutgers was plus 10 in the paint in that game, and that was a game that Clifford Mori got in foul trouble. Only played 20 minutes, and Indiana knew. I mean, you know when you play Rutgers, just like when I was in school, when I played at Purdue, when you play a Michigan State team, you prepare for that all week. You prepare. Coach tells you they're going to hit you. They're going to foul you. They're tough. They're physical. So you prepare for that all week. And Indiana got a taste of that earlier this season. And they went out there last night, and they threw the first punch. They punched Rutgers right in the mouth. They took the fight right to Rutgers. They didn't wait to try to break the physicality of the game, man. It was fun to see. I mean, they flipped it. They flipped the matchup. They out-rebounded Rutgers in this one. They got offensive rebounds and second-chance points. They ended up turning Rutgers over only 10 times, which isn't crazy in the college game. But Indiana turned those 10 turnovers into 17 points, got out of transition. They shot 24 free throws. I mean, Indiana, they, they completely flipped that matchup, and they pulled a Rutgers on Rutgers. <laughs> that makes sense. So, Rafael Davis of Big Ten Networks on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Speaking of flipping the script, I thought we saw that on late Saturday afternoon, early Saturday night in Bloomington with IU and Purdue round number one because we constantly hear talk about the support offensively for Trace Jackson Davis, which was there for him on that Saturday at Assembly Hall. And with what we have seen in the past was not there for Zach Eady. Uh, and company up there. It was Zach Eady and really nothing else. What do you attribute that to? Was it start to finish IU defense against Purdue or other things that you witnessed? Um, no, I wouldn't say start to finish because, I mean, you look at the second half and Purdue won the second half by 10. I think it was 39 to 29 that second half. TJD only had seven points in that half. Hushafino really took that game over. Hushafino was a difference, in my opinion, down the stretch. Spencer Fino was awesome. He had 12 of his 16 points came in the second half, and he got the ball exactly where it needed to go down the stretch. They struggled to make shots. He got downhill and made big plays. But I think it was all about the start of that game. I think Indiana came out, and again, just like I said about Rutgers, they punched Purdue right in the mouth. And that's those first five minutes, that first half, TJD really set the tone. TJD having 18 points going. I think he wins. 
I don't know if he, I don't think he missed a shot in that first half. Or he just, he was phenomenal. And the energy, they got out and ran. I mean, they turned Purdue over. Purdue is a team that normally doesn't turn the ball over. Coach Painter tries to have around nine, ten turnovers per game. Well, they had 11 turnovers in the first half. And Indiana's pressure, it really bothered them. I mean, Galloway being the start lineup, playing more minutes, it helps Indiana. I mean, he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, six, tough, bigger defender. He was able to get up and flex a lawyer or push him out. And with Purdue, if you push that initial catch out, if you push that initial catch that they want to start their offense with, if they're not two feet on that three-point line, if you push them out towards half court, it's harder to feed Zach Eady. It's harder to get the big fella the basketball. And that's what Indiana did. Zach Eady's best offense in that first half was going to get a rebound and going to finish it. It was not too many times where they could get a clean post-feed to him. And when they did, they forced Zach to turn it over. Zach had five turnovers in the game. Purdue ended up having 16 turnovers for the game. And um, Indiana gets 20 points off of those turnovers. Purdue misses seven free throws. Indiana makes 15 of their 18. I mean, that's the difference in the game. But I thought Hush Chapino, down the stretch, when Indiana needed something, he got it for him. And I think if um, you've got an NBA top level guard at Hush Chapino, Trey Jackson Davis playing with this type of energy, you got Miller Cops, who had a very quiet, just a quiet 18 last night. It's Indiana team, they're clicking at the right time. I go back to that Northwestern game, Trey Jackson Davis in the press conference, he called his teammates out. He said, Coach Woodson had a great game plan, the guys just didn't follow it. And then they went to Penn State, and they got thumped. <laughs> so ever since then, there's been a change. And I think it started with TJD calling that players-only meeting or team meeting, whatever you want to call it. I've been in those. Those aren't, those aren't very friendly meetings. And I think it's, everything has changed since then. But I think it started with TJD. His, um, his tenacity, his intensity, everything that you think about outside of just scoring the ball for him has risen. He's gotten a lot tougher. And not saying he wasn't a tough guy, but now he's playing with that type of moxie. He's playing with that type of edge, and it's feeding into the rest of those guys. Uh, and they're back to they're back to defending at us. Indiana was the best defensive team in Big Ten last year. They were a better defensive team than Rutgers, and they just for some reason they just decided not to defend this year. And now they're back to it. And now they're making shots, which was what held them back last year. It could be scary. I talked to Trace last week, and I, I said to him I didn't. I didn't think you were going to be the type of vocal on the floor, which is what we see leader that he is kind of morphed into, you know, transitioned into here. I I think that aspect has helped him out a great deal. And he made the point to talk about how it was Mike Woodson that told him, this is what you need to be. You're the guy you lead by example on this team. You need to lead by example, both on the floor and vocally, which is what he's done. No, I mean, I, and I go back to my time at Purdue, and I see Trace Jackson Davis, different player than I was, but a Pate had just made me a captain my sophomore year, and I did all the right things off the floor. And I was doing what I was supposed to do. I was handling my business, and Pate came to me and said, you got to talk. Now you're a captain. you got to lead, not just by your actions, but with your words. If you're doing the right things, you got to say the right things. And if you're saying the right things, because a lot of guys that give you lip service, they'll say the right things, but then they – they just do whatever they want to do when you're not around. So it's all about getting those guys to do both. And TJD, they needed this. TJD, I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to him today. But I'm assuming that if he could trade 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds in for a trip to the Final Four and a chance to win a national championship and leave Indiana in that light, 
I, I would say he trades it in just because I think he's a winner. And I think um, he figured out what his team needed for him, which was his leadership, which was him getting into guys, yelling at guys. I mean, really just taking that team over and not being satisfied with losing. He is not satisfied with losing. And he is getting the best effort from everybody. But my high school coach, Coach Greg Taylor, used to tell me all the time, your best player, he has to be your hardest worker or her, or, and they have to be tough. And because everybody on that team is looking to you. When you get in a tough spot, when you get in a close game, your dog has got to eat. And Trey Jackson Davis, he's been eating. Because since, I don't know if you remember that Arizona game, Indiana got ran out of the gym. He went, TJD went 15 minutes, or like the kick, one of those games, he went 15 minutes without attempting a field goal in the second half. So I don't, I don't see that ever happening the rest of this year. He's, um, he's been outstanding. Zach Eady's been outstanding. It's just, um, College basketball is better when Purdue and Indiana are both good during the same year. Well, I thought that too on Saturday. I mean, when when both teams are good and when both teams are confident like that, it just makes for a better game, a great atmosphere that obviously we'll see again coming up on the 25th at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. Rafael Davis joins us. Before I let you go, give me, and I know there's a log jam at 7-5. and five. you got IU and, and Rutgers at 8-5, and five, and then Purdue at 11-2, and two, still firmly atop the Big Ten. But if there is a surprise in the Big Ten this year with where they are, present time, and the standings and the way they played, who would that be for you? Good surprise or bad surprise? Or both? <laughs> One more time? I said, do you want a good surprise or would you like a bad no, surprise? No, no, yeah, go ahead and go both, man. I, I trust you in going both here. Be versatile. I like it. I would go for a good surprise. I got to go with Northwestern. I give a shout-out to Trey Dix uh, with the Big Ten Network, Dave Revson, those guys. Uh, Northwestern. No one expected them to be where they are right now, even competing for a tournament bid. I mean, Coach Collins was on the hot seat if you really just want to get down to the to what really was going on. And they lost Ryan Young. They lost Pete Nance to Duke in North Carolina. And they're right there in the middle of the Big Ten fighting for a chance for a postseason bid. And the growth of Chase Aldees has been outstanding to watch, man. I mean, He's calmed down on offense. He's taking good shots. He's being efficient on that end. And then defensively, he's turned himself into maybe the defensive player of the year. If not, right there next to Caleb McConnell as the two best defensive guards in the Big Ten. So they'll fight you there. The same June Nicholson has gotten better throughout the year. Huge game tonight against Ohio State on the road to really kind of solidify their chances on making that tournament. But Northwestern has got to be that team. And then on the negative end, I would go Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State, even though they shouldn't have counted it, they beat Rutgers. They were shot away from beating Purdue. And since that Purdue game, it's like Purdue broke them a little bit. They, they have some things going on that shouldn't be. That they have older guys as Zed Key, Justin Stewing, Eugene Brown and those guys. Tanner Holden's been around college basketball a while. McNeil, likely. They know what goes on in college basketball, whether it's at Ohio State or not. And then they have a really talented freshman class, which Bryce Sissonball, probably the best freshman in the Big Ten. Bruce Thornton, I got to watch him a lot of high school. He's going to be a really good player. But for some reason, that ball has started to stick. This is one of the – this is a top ten most efficient offense in the country 
before they played Purdue. And now, in their last game, they had six assists. So their last eight games, they've had more turnovers than assists. And that's just not characteristic of a Chris Holman team. And I, I think they can still – in the Big Ten, you still have chances to figure it out. They can go on a run, win some games, take some momentum into the Big Ten tournament. Ohio State is a team that they win the Big Ten tournament. I don't think I would be surprised. But it's just a matter of them figuring it out. But those two teams stand out to me. So, Rayfeld Davis, when are you back on the Big Ten Network? I was on this morning, and I'm back on Sunday. I'll be um, – I'll be on the Big Ten Network Sunday. I'll be calling a high school game, a prep school game on Friday with the NIBC, and uh, that's been going well, too. Awesome. Well, you're always great to come on with us. I appreciate that. We'll check back in later on in the season, and uh, we'll watch for you coming up on BTN on Sunday as well. Rayfeld, thank you as always. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. So, Rafael Davis of the Big Ten Network right there. Podcast 107.5 The Fan, the latest on the Big Ten, and obviously IU and Purdue right there in the crosshairs. Quick break. We'll come back. Somebody's going to win some Luke Bryan tickets for the show coming up in August. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. That's country right there? What about a catfish dinner right there? Luke Bryan is coming in August to Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. I got to thank very much my friends at Live Nation. Kyle and the gang over there for always putting great giveaways on this show because the one thing that I tried to prove well back in the day, even when I was on the other station, is that this being Sports Talk Radio is the best place to promote your music shows because you don't necessarily have to be just inside one particular demographic. When you are a sports fan, that also means most of the time you are a lover of music. And it is all forms of music. We're not just country, not just rock, not just hip-hop, not just alternative. Everything. And that's something that that I tried to get across to everybody. And Live Nation and Kyle and the gang certainly believe that. So I want to thank them for always being great with us. You know, whether it's, you know, Kyle, for example, on Live Nation or Christian down uh, at the Brown County Music Center. Yeah, Jimmy over at the Mira Old National Center. Haven't broke through yet for whatever reason with the uh, the Carmel place up there, the atrium or Anthenaeum or whatever it is. What is that up there? Atrium? <laughs> Nothing there yet, but normally I can tell you this. There's no better place to find and to encompass all of your audience, musically speaking, than Sports Talk Radio. Because everything else, everybody else is going to be places where you know what it is. 
and you know what to expect. Yeah, I'm here because it's country. Yeah, I'm here because it's rock. Here, you're here because it's sports talk, and there are all forms of music lovers here. You hit absolutely everybody. Well done. Who is the winner? Is that Bill the winner? Yes, sir. Hold on a second. Is he there right now? I can put him on real quick. Hey, Bill, did you win? Yes, I did. Thanks very much. Bill, you're going to go see Luke Bryan. Are you excited? Uh, absolutely. We like him a lot. All right. Are you uh, married or single? I am married. All right. Well, so, cool. All right, I, I got I to take a date. I understand. Take that date, Bill. Congratulations. James is going to talk to you and set you up for those tickets. We'll do this coming up again tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us. Pacers Heat, 7 o'clock is the pregame. 7.30 your tip time from Miami. We have full reaction coming up on that game tomorrow. More leading up to the Super Bowl. More from the Colts regarding the coaching search. Shout out to Pat McAfee for the shout out on his show earlier today of this show earlier today. Rafael Davis, Kevin Bowen, as well as Jeremiah Johnson. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. James, great job. Back with you tomorrow right here at 3. Shout out YouTube livers.